If you think you're not afraid of the dark. If you think you have a strong stomach. If you feel nothing can shock you. If you believe you've seen everything. If you say you don't scare easily. What are they? What up, y'all? <clears throat> Mike Rips, the Ranchless Podcast, transmitting from the loft in Brooklyn, as we always do on Thursday evenings. How the fuck y'all doing this week? Hope you're doing great. Hope you're enjoying your summer. It's no longer, well, I guess it still is the dog days of summer, as they say, but it's not hot, hot as balls here. It's feeling a little chilly in the morning when I wake up and go to work and do my thing. But how the fuck y'all been? How you doing? How you been? Like I said, I hope everything is well with you in the world. Uh, you know, things are pretty usual around here. But that's always a good thing, right? Well, one thing's fucked up. Tonight's oh, Thursday's become taco night around here. Fucking worship taco night Thursday. And it's funny because the way my lovely wife Brenda makes the taco, it's like with turkey meat and chicken meat and then she puts like tomato sauce in it and then the cheese i use is mozzarella so it is like almost a fusion of it's got chipotle it's like a fusion of mexican and italian some kind of mexican italian taco it's fucking great but she has to go to fucking Coles tonight so now this is gonna slow up taco night which fucking blows but we'll eventually make it happen so hopefully i'll be eating them at least by nine o'clock i'm fucking starving already all I ate today was a fucking tuna salad and two hard-boiled eggs for breakfast. I didn't even eat the yolk. I tried to, but it tastes like chalk. It's easier eating white, I mean, the yellow street chalk by the time you're down halfway through the fucking thing. I always throw it out. I said that in, like, the first episode, I think. Speaking of first episode, all these episodes are available right now on iTunes. Please subscribe. Please rate and review. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, which not much has been going on there, but a lot will be soon. I promise you. Also got uh, some things. I, again, I don't want to say anything that could happen or would happen, but some things I'm working on a couple bonus episodes. Hopefully it comes to fruition. If not, it'll just be me sitting here talking some shit like I always do. You know, everybody's talking shit right now on our fucking, <laughs> on Mr. Trump, President Trump. Everyone's bugging out about the indictments, Manafort and uh, Michael Cohen flipped, as they say. And now everyone's freaking out because Trump did that nicey, nicey, kissy face fucking interview with Ansley Adams, Anzel Adams, whatever the fuck her name is from Fox. And he said something like, oh, there should be a law against flipping. It's like, you can, can you take this fuck seriously? No. 
And I really do believe our sensationalized society has created this. Everything is so over the top all the time. It's like, how could you not see this? I don't know how I didn't see this coming. I don't know. I was totally like, Hillary's going to win. That's on a micro level. But macro, how did I not see this coming from all the shit I think and believe? I don't, anyway, that's a whole nother fucking podcast. But yeah, everyone's freaking out. They think they got... They're locking in with, I don't know, obstruction, collusion, conspiracy, to what a campaign finance fuck. But I don't know. His base, I don't even know. I don't know if they're going to care. They don't seem to care about anything. And he's just going to do what he does and keep talking shit and I don't know if the country keeps moving I think a lot of people will vote for him and nobody trusts the media everyone's like fuck them they're all giddy now and especially around New York too there's a giddy sense that everyone's so happy he's about to get impeached they take the house back he's getting impeached for this probably and this I think speaking of the house I think that uh, this is going to be the Democrats main you know thing they're going to run on for the midterm elections, that he's doing illegal shit regardless. But again, a bunch of these cats have done this campaign finance fraud shit. Clinton did it. Obama did it. It was, I mean, it's just, it's not, is it a big deal? Of course, it's a huge deal, but everybody does it. So is it a big deal? Like you have to go into looking at politics, knowing that they're the state, they're, they're corrupt, corporations are corrupt, and all of them work together. That's the only final answer. You guys see also Kathy Griffin was quite happy. She was shaking her tits like in front of a fucking open window in her house in I'm assuming LA somewhere. And it's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, the thing for me on a serious note is that it's like uh, I don't fucking like the guy. I don't I don't enjoy the pompous tweets and you know, but um I liked the last guy more, but I think I was a little naive about some of the things going on regardless, it's like, do you really want to root for this person to fail? Most people on the left would say yes. And it's like, but I did, I, you know, I voted for Obama the first time. Second time, it's weird why I didn't vote for him the second time. I think I've mentioned this, that it was, he was doing the same neocon shit. He bailed out the banks and then he fucking was going to more wars and drone strikes. And I was like, wait, this, this isn't what I voted for and signed up for. That's why I didn't vote for him the second time. But regardless, um, they're all corrupt. They're all fucked. It gets amplified with this guy because he's insane and he likes to fight. That's the one funny thing about it is how much he fights with the media and how much everybody eats it up and it goes back and forth. And we're living in like, like Twitter is like life now. That's what's going on. It's fucking, I could never have seen this turning out. Like when I was young, I was like, things were pretty, you know, mellow. 9-11 is the main event that changed everything. PBR. I bought a bunch of alcohol last weekend for all the fights, and I didn't even, I drank like none of it and just saved it. We were in a hotel room in Connecticut, and Brenda and I revisited the old stomping ground of Stanford. But anyway, back to these fucking statists and corporatists, which is what they all are. So I wanted to talk about, speaking of the lovely Brenda, every time there's one of these bullshit award shows on, she has to watch it for her job because they always want to know what people are wearing for the red carpet. She works on Fashion Avenue, the Garment District, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I've, it's just like it's so horrible now, the fucking VMAs. And I have an article pulled up from Esquire by Matt Miller. And I got to be honest, he seems like a twat, but it's like, this is like the third graph down, he says... Okay, so this is bad, especially considering last year the VMAs competed with the pet penultimate 
episode of Game of Thrones. This year, having moved to Monday night and against no massive pop culture event like GOT, the VMAs still saw viewership decrease. It says they only had 5.2 million people watching the shit. It fell 8%, which is horrible in TV standards. And it's like everyone's so all over the place. Nobody knows what's going on. It's fucking corny. Nicki Minaj is picking fights with everybody. And it's so petty and ridiculous. And I was... I. I would definitely would have considered myself a bigger fan of Nicki Minaj than Travis Scott, although I do, I don't love their shit, but I like some of the things they do. I, I was fucking with Nicki Minaj a long time before she blew up. So I used to like her a lot, but she acts so ridiculous. And I got to be honest, I used to think she was so hot too. And now like the way she looked at the VMAs, it looks like somebody who just gets plastic surgery and doesn't work out. It just is not right. Like, everything is too big and not in the right places, and it's all over the place. Oh, she's touring a lot. You know, she's got a lot on her plate. It's like, there's porn stars out there who have less plastic surgery but work out more and look much better than that. So, I don't know. It's brutal. It's real brutal over there. The whole shit was just a farce and a joke, as it always is. The funny thing for me... Well, what else did I want to touch on specifically? J-Lo was there doing her thing. That's one of the other reasons Brenda wanted to watch it. And uh, Cardi opened it. It's just everything is so fucking corny. And it's like they pretend they're rebels or revolutionaries or some shit. And they're not. And they're all a mix of corporatists and status. They don't even know what they're talking about. It's very immature. It's just bizarre for me because I never thought I'd see a time. Literally, and this I know I'm fucking old. I'm a fucking dinosaur. But it's no joke that now, like, the fucking young crowd, like, the people that are, like, 18 to, like, 25 right now are really fucking corny. And the people that are older now, like, you know, in their early to mid-40s and late 30s, they're cooler than these motherfuckers. It shouldn't be like that. Like, all these motherfuckers are so corny. It's unbearable to watch. I can't... They're not funny. They're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even give a fuck about... you. If you could do political rants, every week Bill Maher gets on real time and this is Trump heavy. And it's fucking hilarious every time he does it. You guys have no talent up there. So... Wow, I just I just got mad at the VMAs. I do this every goddamn year. I think I did it last year on this podcast. I remember a while ago with the Miley Cyrus and the dancing and all that bullshit. That made everybody really uptight and mad. And I didn't like it. I think it's all fucked up and corny. But am I outraged by it? Like, they get outraged by fucking people like Ben Shapiro? No. I don't give a fuck about any of it. I was just bopping in and out because Brenda was watching it for her job. But one thing that was weird, too, is that they closed the show with Post Malone and Aerosmith together. I didn't stay up for this. And it's funny because I like Post Malone and I love Aerosmith. They're way up there. But I remember I saw Aerosmith in the crowd. It's like, dude, fucking Liv, Steven, Liv's kids are too fucking old to be at this thing now. But anyway, Steven Tyler's 70 in the audience. I think with Joe Perry's 70, 71, whatever. And he's there. And I guess at the end of the show, they close it with Post Malone and perform with Aerosmith. And it's just like so many tattoos on the face. So fucking crazy, which it's funny. I have a tattoo on the side of my face, I guess, next to my ear. I got that shit in like 2011. And that was kind of like edgy then. It's so not now. Everybody has that shit. It's like the next one I'm going to get. You know, when you ever 
or at like a sleepover at your friend's house or now when you're just drunken and passed out after the bar at your boy's house and you can't drive and some other cats are up. Uh, if you're at this age, maybe they're sniffing a little blow, they're acting silly, and they just fucking take a Sharpie out and draw like a dick on your forehead. I pass out all the time, so next time my boys do that to me, which is highly likely within the next, uh, you know, 24 to 48 hours, tattoo it on me, I'm going to go straight to fucking Rich, shout out Filthy Rich Love Inc., I'm going to go straight to Rich and have him fucking tattoo the thing on my face. And when I shared this with Brenda, she was like, oh, fuck it, just get your your dick tattooed on your face, and I was like, I will, and she was like, too bad it'll look like a fucking tattooed tear. (laughs) So, uh... Needless to say, I'll be getting a tiny little dick thing uh, under my eye shortly, in short order. And it'll feel great. It will feel great. But you know what felt great getting back to the country, back to fucking Connecticut for a little while? Because I haven't been there in a while. And uh, finally, I've been in the city now for a long time since I've been anywhere. I guess Texas was the last time I was outside of this. Did I go anywhere? I went to Staten Island. But that doesn't necessarily count. Anyway, uh, we went to Shake Shack, which I usually don't go because I never get to eat food like that. But um, Brenda and Veronica had to go to um, my cousin Caitlin's bridal shower. Shout out to everybody I just named. They went and Mark and me went to lunch and went to fucking Shake Shack. And I finally got to eat that. And the funny thing was we were online and the line wasn't even long or bad or people had their shit together. It wasn't like ordering food in fucking, you know, any of the boroughs in New York. But these people in front of us just bounced. And I'm like, damn, this feels even better than just coming to the country. There's not a better feeling than when you're waiting online to order food and someone just bounces ahead of you. You know? Speaking of bouncing ahead of you, uh... MLB, what's going on? The Mets just lost to the uh, Giants 3-1 in an afternoon game. I watched a lot of this. <clears throat> Got back to the crib. About three. The Mets have been doing better with these young kids coming up. And also, the Red Sox lost three, I believe, just recently. But they're so fucking... They're 90-39. and 39. That means they just won today. Yankees are 79-47. and 47. I know they've been having problems. Judge still isn't back. Indians, 73 and 54. Let's see what else. Uh, the Astros, of course, 77 50. The Braves, 71 and 55. That's so crazy. No one saw that coming. Fucking Murphy, of course, of Mets fame, and now the Washington Nationals fame, went to the Cubs. He got traded to the Cubs, or he's on the Cubs now. Regardless. And uh, they're 72 and 53. They're number one in the NL Central. Diamondbacks are 71 and 56. Uh, well, I'm just waiting for the playoffs now. It's MLB is harder. I, I catch a game here and there now. Or I like today. I watched the Met game. But until the playoffs, if your team is out of it, if you're national or whatever the team you watch is out of it, it's like it's pointless to watch this shit until it gets to the playoffs, to be honest with you. But last weekend, I didn't even get to address a lot of this shit last time when I was on here, where there was a shitload of fights last weekend, actually. Uh, Tyson Fury beat up this guy Pianetta, this Italian dude and he just kind of toyed with him the whole time it was a uh, I don't know, It looked Tyson looked great but Deontay Wilder had came there also there was all this drama with Billy Joe Saunders, the middleweight he fucking showed up at a restaurant that Wilder was at and threw a chicken at him 
And there was all kinds of drama. They were going to, like, fight. But then they said peace to each other. I saw it backstage at the fight. But anyway, there was all this drama where, of course, Fury won. He beat this guy up. It wasn't the joke it was last time with that, um... What was it? Albanian guy who was a cruiserweight. But, uh, regardless, Wilder went in the ring. They were talking that shit. Now, supposedly, Wilder versus Fury in Vegas November 15th or something like that. And is it the same? It's not the same day. The Pavekin and Joshua shit's happening soon. So this is really exciting. I think it's going to be... It's definitely pay-per-view in England. I think it's going to be in the U.S. too. But they're going to charge cheap for it, like 30 bucks. Some shit like that. But I'm excited about it. And we'll see what happens with Pavekin and Joshua. I assume Joshua's going to win. But it's not going to be as easy as all those fucking Joshua stands are thinking. Also, that on that on the main event of that card was Carl Frampton. He's, uh, what is he, the featherweight? He beat the shit out of this guy from Australia. What was his name? Luke Jackson. His face is all fucked up. That's the main story coming up here on uh, Google News. So Frampton, he has that one loss in the rematch to Leo Santa Cruz. And I guess he's going to fight, what's his name? Josh Warrington. Yeah, that's that's going to be the next big fight for him. I love this dude, the Jackal. They fought in Belf. Yeah, they fought in Belfast, I believe. Yes, they did. The whole All the drama, I'm remembering. Also, there was another thing with Fury and... Uh, Wilder at the weigh-in, like Fury, Peter Fury, Tyson Fury's dad was like trying to fight Wilder. It was pretty fucking crazy. The other uh, fight that happened that night where Andre Ward was calling it, it was a top rank on ESPN where Brian Jennings versus Alexander Dimitrenko. And I remember watching this. I was kind of passing out. I had a little bit to drink. I wasn't fucked up, but I was watching some of it. I went back and watched the rest of it. And I thought Jennings was going to lose to this guy because he got knocked down in the fourth. But then he came back, and I think it was TKO in the ninth. Yeah, brutal. Exactly. But it was a good time. Last weekend was fun with these fights, and also we got uh, a lot of other shit coming up right now on the schedule. This weekend is, I know Ray Beltran is fighting Pedraza. Where is it? Jose Pedraza versus Ray Beltran on ESPN. I'm watching that. Tomorrow night on FS1, you got Jamal James versus Mahoney Montez. Mahonry Montez. I can't fuck with that. And, uh, you know... I'll be peeping all these shits and reporting about it and talking about all these other shits coming up. Like, of course, you got Amir Khan fighting again on September 8th. Samuel Vargas, Garcia versus Porter is coming. Uh, Juan Francisco Estrada versus Felipe Arcuta. Arcuta. Holy shit. Uh, where is it? Oh, yeah, Triple G and Canelo. That's, like, so slept on. The the fucking... I don't know if it started yet, but that 24-7's coming. Here it is. September 22nd, Joshua and Pavekin. Let me just see if they got Victor Ortiz versus John Molina. Oh, that's cool. Bitter BF versus Caleb Johnson. Kubrat Pulev versus Huey Fury. Good one. All right, they don't, they don't have that uh, Tyson Fury shit up here yet. But, regardless... Keep your eyes out for all those fights. There's some mega fights coming up in the next few uh, weeks and months. The novel I finished most recently was uh, definitely a sleeper. Chinatown Beat by Henry Chang. And it's a uh, series, or it's a character he uses a lot, who's a detective from Chinatown named Jack Yu. On the front, it says, a Detective Jack Yu investigation. It's a classic noir, according to Richard Price. Of course, it says on here, author of Lush Life. But he also, of course, wrote the brilliant Clockers, which I talked about on here before. 
And he contributed to writing The Wire, which I think is the best TV series of all time. But this book was excellent. Honestly, I was thoroughly impressed, and I kind of slept on it. I That's why I call it a sleeper. I was hesitant to read it. I believe I picked this up at... um on 31st Street in Astoria. There's like a bookstore just on the corner there. And that's where I got this. And I slept on it for probably a year. And then I keep going back and forth with the fantasy, horror, you know, uh, whatever, crime, Western, whatever, uh, any of those kind of stuff. But I, of course, because I just finished that Radiant Dragon, which was a very fantasy spell jammer where they mix, you know, outer space with medieval. So I needed a crime novel. And I uh, grabbed this Chinatown beat, Henry Chang. And it is a classic noir. It's about a, you know, hard-boiled cop who's Chinese. Uh, is he, I don't remember if he's from China and moved there young or if he was born in the U.S. But his father died recently and he's going back and forth between his studio apartment. He's like, I think, supposed to be 38 or 40. I don't know if they exactly mentioned his age in it. But he's going back and forth. He lives in Sunset Park in the new Chinatown and he goes back to the old Chinatown. Which is interesting about this uh, writer, Henry Chang, grew up in Chinatown. I want, definitely am going to read more of his books because this was well written. It moved fast. I read this in, I think, less than two weeks. And I think it's... Hold on. It's... 214 pages and I read it real quick it's really good, it moves fast it's really about the underbelly of Chinatown basically this Detective Jack Yu, there's a bunch of different cases that he becomes involved in and it all ties together, it's a classic noir hard-boiled, something that you know, Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett it's in that vein for sure and I believe that's who, you know influence this guy it certainly seems like it it's complicated, so you gotta go a little deep while you're reading it, but it'll suck you in it definitely did with me so check it out, Chinatown Beat, Detective Jack Yu, written by Henry Chang. Now, the album I wanted to talk about this week is by Tech 9 and Ross Robinson. I'm a huge Tech 9 fan. And, you know, uh, I was born in New York, lived in Westchester County, li- lived in Astoria when I was a baby, lived in Westchester County, moved to Texas, moved to Connecticut, and lived there forever. So more into the East Coast rap, but... I fucking have always loved this guy. I, I'm into, you know, weird rap and, like, double time as well. So, regardless, this album, Therapy, is really interesting because it's a collaboration between him and Ross Robinson. And I know the term new metal gets shit on a lot, and this certainly is in that vein, I'll say that. But this record is fucking awesome. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't really like the idea of the new metal where it's corn, limp biscuit, head PE. I said the funk junkies, and it's so funny. It's on Ross Robinson's list of shit that he's produced. The thing is, new metal, it's like the rap metal shit. I mean, so does that include Rage Against the Machine, who was goddamn brilliant? I mean, are they new metal? I guess if you're going to consider them new metal, they're the best new metal band of all time. I should probably, I should have pulled that up and gone through that, the top ten list of new metal people. I should start doing that, pulling up all these lists, like top 100 punk bands, top 100 rappers. They always get the fucking rappers wrong, especially in fucking Rolling Stone. Who's the best rapper of all time? I would always probably say one of four people, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, 
or KRS-One. Give me one more second, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. Uh, the lovely Brenda came through, and she has to go do some work. Like I said, go to Coles. So regardless, this album, Tech 9, it's an EP, Therapy, and it's produced by fucking Ross Robinson, who, endless, his fucking shit is endless. Uh, of course, it's a lot of new metal. You got Korn, their first album from 94, and their demo before that. You got uh, Deftones, Adrenaline, 95, Sepultura, uh, Limp Biscuit, of course, $3 bill, y'all. That's the one with Counterfeit. That was good. Soulfly, the Vanilla Ice, the one that where he did the metal rap shit. Uh, Slipknot, the first album. He did Glassjaw, everything you ever wanted to know about. And then also he did At the Drive in Relationship and Command. Ross Robinson is the shit. Seriously. The other Worship and Tribute, that Glassjaw album. He did the Funk Junkies. He's all, he's fucking awesome. He's done a lot of shit. So, Ross Robinson produced this EP for Tech Night. It's got Wes Borland from uh, Limp Biscuit on it. It's got a bunch of... It's, they straight up say it's new metal. And I guess to some extent it is. It's tech going off on this, like, metal riffs and beats. It's great. I really enjoy it. And um, I'm going to be using it for playlists for the next month or two. So, if you get a chance, check out Tech Nine Therapy. If you... Uh, let me just go through some of these records before I finish up here. Um, there's one that's like uh, sentimental. When Demons Come. That one's crazy. Uh, Ill. Uh, I-L-L. Uh, all of them are... D- Hiccup is crazy. The one with Recognized Head Now. They're all crazy, but Peep the Album and it's inside. It's not an album, it's an EP. It's got interludes, so it makes it seem longer. It says 11, but it's only... Uh, Seven real songs, I think. It's really good, though. Tech Nine and Ross Robinson Therapy. Also check out that Chinatown Beat, Henry Chang crime novel. Peace, y'all. Love y'all.